Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. My guests today, once again, are Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster. We are on day two of a little mini retreat within the retreat as we prepare our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls to consecrate our lives to Jesus Christ through his mother. We are on day 25 of Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. If you do not have your copy of the retreat materials yet, you can get them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers 33daystomorningglory.com. You might be asking yourself, well, if it's all recorded right here on a podcast, you ladies are so graciously reading the book to me, why do I need the materials? That's easy. You will find your retreat experience so much more enriching if you have a copy of the materials. Plus, you can buy extras and share them with friends and family members. It's also really neat if you do this retreat with a group within your church, parish, or even a virtual group. They have a DVD series that goes with it that you get together once a week and watch the DVD and discuss among yourselves how consecration is impacting your life. Mary Beth, can you please begin reading for us? Yesterday, we began a retreat within our retreat by joining Mary's retreat. In other words, we began to ponder the ways that Jesus prepared Mary to understand and fully embrace her new motherly role in the kingdom of God. Today, we will continue this retreat at the Wedding Feast of Cana, where Mary's motherly mediation gloriously shines forth. So let's review the scene. So we're in John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Here, the mother of Jesus is at a wedding feast, and Jesus and his disciples are also invited, presumably because of Mary. The wine runs short. Mary notices this and brings it to the intention of her son. They have no wine. Jesus seems to rebuke her. Woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Mary nevertheless tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. The servants followed Jesus' orders to fill some stone jars with water. Then the water becomes wine, and the disciples believe. So now let's ponder deeply John Paul's commentary on this scene. His words get to the heart of Mary's role in our lives and explain why we should be seeking to consecrate ourselves to her. This is a rather lengthy quote. It's from Redemptoris Mater, and it begins... Cana clearly outlines the new dimension, the new meaning of Mary's motherhood. It is a new kind of motherhood according to the spirit and not just according to the flesh. That is to say, Mary's solicitude for human beings, her coming to them in the wide variety of their wants and needs. At Cana in Galilee, there is shown only one concrete aspect of human need, apparently a small one of little importance. They have no wine, but it has a symbolic value. This coming to the aid of human needs means at the same time bringing those needs within the radius of Christ's messianic mission and salvific power. Thus, there is a mediation. Mary places herself between her son and mankind in the reality of their wants, needs, and sufferings. She puts herself in the middle That is to say, she acts as a mediatrix, not as an outsider, but in her position as mother. She knows that as such, she can point out to her son the needs of mankind, and in fact, she has the right to do so. Her mediation is thus in the nature of intercession. Mary intercedes for mankind, 
And that is not all. As a mother, she also wishes the messianic power of her son to be manifested, that salvific power of his, which is meant to help man in his misfortunes, to free him from the evil, which in various forms and degrees weighs heavily upon his life. John Paul II continues again from Redemptorist Mater, saying, Another essential element of Mary's maternal task is found in her words to the servants. Do whatever he tells you. The mother of Christ presents herself as the spokeswoman of her son's will, pointing out those things which must be done so that the salvific power of the Messiah may be manifested. At Cana, thanks to the intercession of Mary and the obedience of the servants, Jesus begins his hour. At Cana, Mary appears as believing in Jesus. Her faith evokes his first sign to help kindle the faith of the disciples. The episode at Cana in Galilee offers us a sort of first announcement of Mary's mediation, wholly oriented toward Christ and tending to the revelation of his salvific power. Close quote. Father Gately would like to highlight a few important points from this passage for us to ponder. First, not by necessity, but by God's choice, the handmaid of the Lord, who does the Father's will perfectly, has a right as mother and mediatrix to point out to her son the needs of mankind. Shouldn't we have recourse to such a powerful mother of mercy with regard to our own needs and intentions? Mary needs servants who will obey her words. So this is the second point. Do whatever he tells you. Are we ready to be her servants so Jesus can begin his hour in our day? And the third point, it's clear from the words, do whatever he tells you, that Mary's role is wholly oriented toward Christ and tends to the revelation of his saving power. Mary's mediation, therefore, is in union with and subordinate to the one mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we'll close with today's prayer Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, remind me to ask for Mary's powerful intercession in my times of need. Amen. To which I reply, now please, <laughs> please help us in all of our times of need. Well, again, Mary Beth, this is um, a really deep passage. It's written by not only a pope, but a saint, John Paul II. Uh, it's one of his uh, great writings, Redemptoris Mater, which means Mother of the Redeemer. So we're going to learn a little Latin here. And one of the great things, I think, about a podcast is that all of this, you can just hit rewind <laughs> and listen to it over and over again. And, and it's kind of like a book on tape, so to speak. Or I'd like to be able to read it slowly, hit pause, and then, and then think about some of the deep context that John Paul II is writing about here. Well, I actually have been using the podcast on the phone as an app so that when I am doing drives uh, with my children to various sporting events or, or school activities, I'm able to really hear and digest some of the things later in the day after I've read it because I often forget by the morning time, what was that prayer I was pondering? That's right, and it is great. We talked earlier uh, about writing the daily prayer on your mirror or on an index card to keep it with you, and, and today's prayer is one that I definitely want to do that for because it says, Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, remind me to ask for Mary's powerful intercession in my times of need. So that postcard or that uh, marker on the mirror can be that reminder, 
And then as we go throughout our days, and every day has it, those moments where we're just face-to-face with our own inadequacy and our own ability not to be able to do the things we want to do or should do, uh, then we can right then and there ask Mary's intercession right there. Help me, please. (laughs) Julie, you read a really long quote from an encyclical. She's never picked up an encyclical. We're really getting our hands wet a little bit with some of these documents, and it's not so scary. And even if you haven't even picked up the Bible, Father Gately is intertwining both of the catechism, um, encyclicals, the Bible, everything. And, And I really feel this retreat is helping me as a Catholic learn the beauty, because especially with that last paragraph, about, you know, Jesus making the point that Jesus is the one true mediator, and it's all about Jesus, and Mary only points to Jesus, because a lot of our fellow uh, brothers and sisters and Christians that look at us with Mary and how we put so much emphasis on Mary, but we're always seeing her role as the first and model disciple to lead us to holy point to her son. One of the things that really sticks out to me is, even though that was a pretty long quote from John Paul II, uh, Redemptress Mater, I really liked reading it in the sense that he really is readable. I mean, his thoughts are deep, but he has a beautiful way of presenting himself, I think, and it's it's almost conversational just to kind of read through his writing. Um, I I particularly noticed that in another encyclical about the rosary that he wrote, where it it almost was was just like sitting down with a teacher. Now, albeit it was probably high school, college, or graduate school (laughs) teacher, but you have that experience of feeling that personal connection to the writer. And, And I really felt that again here as we went through the quote about Cana. I particularly like that line, she puts herself in the middle, and we talked a little bit about that in a couple of the other day's shows about how as mothers we get in the middle of, of our kids and sometimes we're a referee or traffic cop or both. But Mary is there, as, as John Paul writes, she's meant to help us in our misfortunes to free us from the evil, which in various forms and degrees weighs heavily upon our life. And so I know many of us just really do have heavy crosses right now whether it's illness or a suffering of a loss of a job or difficulties with a person in your family or relationships. And this retreat is such a blessing to really help us take all of those intentions to prayer and to ponder that throughout the day. And as we said in today's prayer, to remind us to ask for Mary's powerful intercession in time of need. We are running short on time here, ladies. We're going to get to our questions from the Retreat Companion for Father Michael Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory. Right after this break, our prayer for day 25. Come Holy Spirit living in Mary. Remind me to ask for Mary's powerful intercession in my times of need. Back with the questions from the Retreat Companion right after this on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. One
Now is the time when we dive into the retreat companion that goes with Father Michael Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory. This is an opportunity to really unpack and discuss and and dissect the things that we've just read in his book. We are on page 101, which is day 25 of the Retreat Companion. And it's our second day of the little mini retreat within the retreat. Question number one reads, Pope John Paul II, in his Cana Commentary, points out three important aspects of Mary's solicitude for human beings. Mary puts herself between her son and mankind in their needs. Mary's mediation for the couple is that of mother, which is her right as mother of Jesus. Mary desires to see the manifestation of Jesus's mediation, freeing men and women from misfortune. How much do you desire Jesus's mediation in present world needs? How much do you want to see Jesus acknowledged as mediator? That is a very challenging question. Um, How much do we really want Jesus in our life as our King? Like when we say He's our Lord and King, do we really want to have him over our finances, over our lives as family, how we raise our children, how we are open to life, all our money, so many aspects of the world. And and we can fall into the trap of just not allowing Jesus as our focus to direct him in all of our answers. Well, as that question was being read, Mary Beth, it jumped out at me, how much do you desire Jesus' mediation in present world needs? And if any of you are, uh, you know, news junkies, if you follow the websites or you read the newspaper every day or maybe you watch still the television nightly news, that's still on, isn't it? We can, uh, we can really get a sense of the world is going down fast. We're in a, in a bad place in, in terms of world needs. And we have a priest at our parish, actually, that always mentions uh, in the Mass, he'll mention the needs very specifically of the Ukraine or of uh, the fighting in the Holy Land or different uh, places where actual daily uh, catastrophes or famine or uh, wars are breaking out. And he offers those prayers at the Mass. And I love that because, you know, for me, I I tend to be kind of an ostrich. You know, I kind of want to just say, no, 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 I'm not learning anything about the daily world problems because it's too much. It'll give me a stomach ache and I stick my head in the sand. (laughs) Um, But what this is really asking us is how much do we take those world needs and offer them to our Lord and ask Mary's mediation in them? And it's important to remember, it is our inheritance as children of God, that we have this right and we have this power to to do and make changes through our prayer, that with our prayer, yes, we can change what's happening over in the Ukraine. Uh, It's so important. We think that we can't do anything. And, And that's a great point, because our prayers do matter. I mean, we have to go back and look at the fact that God is all powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, he doesn't need us. You know, he knows what's going on in world events. He's given man the freedom to choose how we act each day, and unfortunately, many choose bad every day. They choose sin that leads to wars, all these terrible things that we see on in the daily news. But he has also created it such 
that our participation is invited and requested. And so to the extent that we join in prayer, especially when we go to Our Lady, who uh, in the Louis de Montfort example, she takes our piece of fruit and arranges it on a golden platter and takes it up to our Lord. He delights in the fact that we are interceding with Mary for all those world needs and our brothers and sisters throughout the world. And if we think back to St. Maximilian Kolbe from a couple weeks ago, reading more about his life, just historically how the prayer and consecration in both Poland and Japan thwarted off a lot of what occurred to those people. Made a big difference. Yes, especially in Japan. That's an amazing story. And, and, and obviously, I'm sure Father Gately will go into that in the second greatest story ever told. We'd like to invite everybody to get a copy of Father Gately's new book, The Second Greatest Story Ever Told. It's uh, now through April 5th, 2015. You can go on the website, 33daystomorninglory.com, and click over to the blog to see the link to uh, get your copy of The Second Greatest Story Ever Told free. And it is one copy per household, but it's an amazing book where he goes into a lot of that Mary Beth. And I know... If you're doing this consecration, you'll be one to really enjoy that going forward. Julie and Mary Beth, it is time that we move on to question number two. Our recourse to Mary as mother and mediatrix will be made easier and more secure in our personal consecration to Jesus through her, which is only days away now. Gosh, we're on day 25 and we're trying to get to day 33, so we're getting really close. That's right. It is coming up really fast. What signs have you had in prayer or insights or events that have confirmed for you that God desires your consecration to Jesus through Mary? Well, this would be a really great question to hear from listeners. Um, Mary has set up through uh, the podcast where you can respond or go to 33 Days Morning Glory because how is everybody doing? I mean, I'm sure there's just some great uh, stories and signs that are occurring out there that we, we all seem to have. It doesn't have to be big, you know, explosions. It can be just a simple thing where wow, Mary comes into my day. I actually use some of the prayers uh, as part of my prayer life, having intercession and recourse to her to see the will of God and, and how I'm supposed to carry God's will in my life out. And we've talked about this many times, how these are just our own personal reflections on these questions. But at the blog, 33 days to morning glory, uh, com. There is a great uh, story on the blog. The date of it is January 23rd, 2015. A young gal, Jamie, from California actually wrote into us and shared the impact of her consecration on her. She uh, wrote that she was a junior at the University of San Diego and recently finished the retreat, 33 Days to Morning Glory, and did the consecration after her parish priest had recommended it to her, and she wrote that she's never felt more enlightened, invigorated, or inspired. Wow, she was going through college, living the typical college lifestyle, and she said that her faith was suffocating. She was also in rehab at that time for an eating disorder, and so when her parish priest recommended that she made the 33 days spiritual retreat, she can't put into words how drastically it changed her life. She wrote that the consecration was nothing short of saving her life. She's never felt a freedom like this, and she wants to share it with everyone as as, as she possibly can. Uh, I just love that. There's mm, a cute picture of Jamie on the on the blog as well. She's a beautiful young woman, and 
and and how the consecration met her very specifically in her time of need, you know, very specifically with an eating disorder is beautiful. Oh, I love that story, Julie, and I love the quote that I'm reading that she wrote that the Immaculata alone has from God the, the promise of victory over Satan. She seeks souls that will consecrate themselves entirely to her that will become in her hands forceful instruments for the defeat of Satan and the spread of God's kingdom. And that was written by St. Maximilian Kolbe, um, and, and what, what power that must have given her. We've had so many groups that have uh, written into us about the power of their consecration and, and the stories of how uh, just at the right time, you know, in God's perfect timing, there's no coincidences. And, and it's really great to, to read that. And so one of the things we really encourage, if you are consecrating, getting ready to consecrate, it's just tremendous if you can then kind of pay it forward and start a group in your neighborhood, in your parish, in your home, even just getting a couple of friends. Uh, we've recorded most of the podcasts with just three of us. Uh, when you get four or five or six or eight, it's even more dynamic because you have a great variety of comments and everyone's in a different place in their life and their spirituality. And, and just to see how God weaves all those threads of, of people's lives together is a beautiful experience. If you need help getting a group started, uh, you can contact me, Julie Musselman, and you can get a lot of information off the website, 33days2morningglory.com. Some of the signs that uh, you've had in prayer or insights, Mary Beth, is there something you want to share about how God's confirming his desires for you to keep up with the consecration? Well, this past year, I was doing the consecration and leading a group during Advent. And during that time, you know, again, I think I mentioned... Busy time. Busy time. time to be it, doing it. It is, but it's a great time to do it just because of, of what we talked about the, the last two days in Mary's retreat, that God entrusted himself first to Mary as a baby. And so it is a wonderful time to do it. But during that time... I really had a sign. Okay, so I'm 50 years old, 50-ish, uh, <laughs> with, with my birth name, and I've mentioned it as Mary Elizabeth, but that for 50 years I've resisted being called Mary Elizabeth. And I, the signs that I received between the readings of the Mass and the consecration that, that God was saying to me, I'm giving you these names, these beautiful names, these beautiful witnesses of disciples, Go, therefore, and live out your, your mission and make disciples and, and use the power and strength of your God-given name. Mary, Mary and Elizabeth. Mary and Elizabeth. Shortened to Mary Beth. Yes. I mean, I, it, it was a sign for me, and I, I know that each and every one of us are receiving these signs. It's just, you know, how does this woman on your website from San Diego all of a sudden with the, with the grace that the consecration changes her life? And then another person may do it and say, I, I, I haven't felt anything yet. Just be patient with where you are. Just be open. Just be open. Have your channels open to receive God's grace. And in this perfect timing with whatever situation you're dealing with in your life, he will recognize when the power of this can be, because um, we can't always take things in all as they're happening. Yes, and sometimes just like a baby, we need to feed them baby food first, and, and before we give them full food, you know, you give them milk, 
it, it's so often I have felt with the consecration. And, and just like a baby, you snap your fingers and they're one yeah. or they're three <laughs> or they're 23, you know, right? <laughs> right, Julie. That happens way too fast. And so is our time flying way too fast. It is time that we wrap up this segment of our program. We will be back with questions three and four right after this on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. We are on the home stretch of day 25 on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses as we prepare for consecration to our Lord through Our Lady. We're on day number 25, question number three, which is on page 102 of the retreat companion that goes with Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. Mary is the spokeswoman for her son's will, John Paul II writes. By your consecration, you will enjoy an even deeper intimacy with Mary. So, after your consecration, what situation or concerns of yours will you ask Mary about first regarding Jesus' will for you? Well, without going into personal uh, examples, because everybody's is going to be different with this, I kind of would just like to globally answer the question in, in the sense that how does this help us with discerning decisions? Um, Very important for life. This is something that I recently went through with my teenage daughter when she was looking at moving from one high school to another. Throughout it all, there was this, this central theme that I was trying to help her with and myself. We must ultimately put this in God's hand in prayer. If we aren't inviting God and our Blessed Mother into these decisions of life, we're, we're going now. He can write a, a straight with a crooked line, for sure. But if you know the route, it saves so much pain. So I try to teach my teenage daughter: Look, as you go through life, when you make a decision, yes, we need to do the physical work involved. But then you take it to prayer. We actually, as part of our discerning process for her change uh, in in the high school, was to do the consecration. So we went through 33 days. And we consecrated, and actually we did receive a sign that our, what our decision should be. Now, it wasn't something that was with fireworks, but it was enough that both of our hearts knew we had a peace. The decision we made was the right one. She had a peace, and I had a peace. And that's the thing, the word that I could probably explain by inviting God and the Blessed Mother into your decision-making always as part of the equation is a sense of peace that you'll feel. And and I know the decision you had and and your outcome was not one that you felt particularly peaceful about at the beginning. Absolutely. That's why I knew that it was coming from the Holy Spirit. And I knew because we had given it to God in prayer and took out the time to do the consecration, it actually was the opposite answer because it made it more, what I thought would be more difficult in my life. And that's, that's the beauty of this is that the prayer and, and taking this time and being able to teach your child this valuable. It's tremendous what you did with your daughter. And, and I know for many of us, the word discernment is not a word in our vocabulary. We make decisions, right? We choose this or that. Many things we decide very quickly because we're in a fast-paced culture. We don't oftentimes spend the time in prayer 
that, that you just mentioned in your example. And I just think of how in this question where it's saying Mary is the spokesman for her son's will, how do you know what is the will of God for you? It is through a process of discernment, which is quite a bit different than decision-making. And as you were pointing out in your example, which beautifully exemplifies it, Discernment is not only doing the work of evaluating the logistics. Sometimes we've drawn up a pro and con sheet, you know, where we actually put it on a piece of paper. This is good. This is bad. Um, But then taking that all to prayer and asking our Lord, what is your will for me, Lord? How do I know your will? And, And that's something I really think a lot about and struggle with is what is the will of God for me right now? And let's even think about what Mary, as who has the right as the mother of God, you know, we as mothers often have that right as a, to be that spokeswoman for our children, our advocate, for our husband or whatever, just by the yeah, virtue. Yeah, until they're 18. <laughs> we are the guardian and, and advocate for them. Maybe in simpler matters where we, because of our role as wife and mother, we have that right to step in mm-hmm. and say something um, to help a situation. Right, and and one great uh, scripture that came to me as I've been really pondering what is the will of God in my particular life is First Thessalonians four verse three, where it says, "This is the will of God, your sanctification," and that is kind of a blanket thing. Our sanctification is our growth and holiness, how we grow closer to Jesus through Mary. But that really helps me a lot because I think you can use that as the framework for then all the other decisions in your life. Do I do this or that? Do I take that job? Do we have this with our family? Because if you can evaluate it on, does this help me grow in holiness? Does this get me closer to heaven? Then a better decision is going to be reached within all those cares of the world that we face every day. Julie, as we've gone through this consecration, you've recalled many scripture passages in the Bible, almost to the point where, you know, some are you're calling to mind, but we have our Bible right here with us because as you're going through this and, and it's provoking something that you've maybe seen or heard at Mass and you want, to, you want to make it your own. Yes, and, and then we can as Catholics open up that Bible. We can as, as Catholics learn Scripture and, and have it, yes, memorized, but more importantly... But have that Bible next to you as you go the con- through the consecration and... and uh, Learn to continue and use that as this consecration as a companion to the Word of God. Let's move on to our final question of the day, ladies. In belonging to Mary, our participation in mediation will be wholly oriented toward Christ. Because Mary is holy Christ, what part of you or your relationships do you hope will become more holy Christ by belonging to Mary? I think a point that you made earlier, Mary Beth, is how we want to give a lot to Christ, but we don't always want to give it all to Christ. You mentioned like finances or our family decisions, particularly being open to life and those kind of big picture things. And uh, I, I, I heard the Hans talk once about they, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, great converts to the Catholic faith. They gave an example that as Protestants, they said Jesus Christ was the ruler of their life, but they they loved him in the living room, in the kitchen, but they didn't always like him in their pocketbook or their wallet or in their bedroom. And so let's talk a little bit about how 
we give our all in, you know, not just our partial lip service in, but uh, wholly oriented towards Christ. Well, and it also makes me think about just being in the world, but not of the world. And that comes up so often in our home, especially with social media, and just how to be fully with Christ in this department, whether it's the time spent, it's not, it doesn't even have to be the destructive um, things that are out there. things. Yeah. Just wasted time. It is. It's just that you tend to get pulled in to the use of these devices. And uh, I, I think it just takes us away from our time being spent. So I find that that's my number one focus right now is in the aspects of social media that I feel like with my family and and raising up these children that that's all they've known. You know, we we didn't know it and we're kind of getting it as adults. Even my oldest daughter didn't have all this in the very beginning of we were just talking last night Bob and I about being in college in the 1980s and and not having a computer, <laughs> not having a cell phone not having anything, you know, we we had three channels on our television. Well, now I guess we had cable at that point. But the kids were just like, how do you call each other? It's like, it's called pick up a wall phone with a cord and call long distance. So uh, that, that's a great point for us to remember how much things have changed from the way we've been raised to the children that we're now raising today. And I love this quote. I think it's from Dr. Kreeft. Uh, I know Curtis Martin quoted it too, is he can't waste time without damaging eternity. Oh, and so even, isn't that good? You can't waste time without damaging eternity. So even if we're doing something morally neutral, you know, watching a YouTube video, going to a movie, reading a book, if we're just spending away time and really acting with purpose and with uh, a good reason and, and looking to Mary to be wholly oriented towards Christ, it does damage eternity because each of us only has a set number of days. And we don't know how many of those days are. So and that, that's good. We got to get busy. Well, and if, if you mentioned Dr. Peter Krebs, so that if you want to Google him, he's got some amazing, amazing writings and books and talks. And that's K R E E F T. And he's a professor up in Boston College. And uh, we've heard him speak before, and just some, just some great stuff. But, I, I, you know, I think I also mentioned it before how on Sundays, back to the social media, we do, we've been trying, let me just say trying, to do No Cell Phone Sunday. Again, thinking that our, our kids, that's all they've known, and we, just feeling that, that that's, that's what they know is normal, is to have this device in their hands. And, and you're really reclaiming the Sabbath by doing it on Sunday. All of it. And, and it's so important. And giving back to God what is God. And we don't, and, and my husband's like the first one to want to put his cell phone <laughs> yeah, in the basket. Too. I am the first one. Well, he has a, ba- we have a basket that says no cell phone Sunday, and I don't force it with the, with the teenagers. I just encourage it because a lot of them, they have to do work on their phone, but I let them, it be between God and them, and they make the decision, but they, as the weeks have gone on, we're kind of now in our fifth week. It's not like mutiny on the bounty like it was. Look at look at a small child. They're they're so used to at two. They know how to run an iPad. They yeah. can show me how to fix it. <laughs> but you take that device away, and what happens? And they go into a tantrum. So this is all affecting our culture. So in order to be holy, Christ, we we need to fully realize the take good. out the pieces that take us away yes. and turn back to Him. And it's there's good stuff in it, isn't there? For but, sure. But it's a narrow road. 
And let's close out today with our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, remind me to ask, remind me to ask for Mary's powerful intercession in my time of need. Amen. And let us pray the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our father, to Abraham, and his children forever. Day 25 of preparation, according to St. Louis de Montfort, begins with a reading from True Devotion to Blessed Virgin Mary, paragraphs 213 to 225. My dear friend, be sure that if you remain faithful to the interior and exterior practices of this devotion, which I will point out, the following effects will be produced in your soul. Knowledge of your unworthiness. By the light which the Holy Spirit will give you through Mary, his faithful spouse, you will perceive the evil inclinations of your fallen nature and how incapable you are of any good. Finally, the humble Virgin Mary will share her humility with you, so that although you regard yourself with distaste and desire to be disregarded by others, you will not look down slightly upon anyone. Mary will share her faith with you. Her faith on earth was stronger than that of all the patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and saints. The mother of fair love will rid your heart of all scruples and inornate servile fear. Our Blessed Lady will fill you with unbounded confidence in God and in herself, because you will no longer approach Jesus by yourself, but always through Mary, your loving mother. The soul of Mary will be communicated to you to glorify the Lord. Her spirit will take the place of yours to rejoice in God, her Savior, but only if you are faithful to the practices of this devotion. If Mary, the tree of life, is well cultivated in your soul by fidelity to this devotion, She will in due time bring forth her fruit, which is none other than Jesus. If you live this devotion sincerely, you will give more glory to Jesus in a month than in many years of a more demanding devotion. St. Louis's next prayer is the Litany of the Holy Ghost, followed by the Litany of Laredo. And as we listen to Donna Corey Gibson's version of the Litany of Laredo, let's ponder the questions in the Retreat Companion for 33 Days to Morning Glory. Question number one. How much do you desire Jesus' meditation in present world needs? How much do you want to see Jesus acknowledged as mediator? And question number two, what signs have you had in prayer or insight or events that may have confirmed for you that God desires your consecration to Jesus through Mary?
remind you, if you do not have your retreat materials, you can buy them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers 33daystomorningglory.com. If you're enjoying this podcast and you'd like to help support our ministry, you can visit realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com and check out their Care to Share page. You can also make a pledge right here at the podcast site. Questions number three and four, which are on page 102 of our retreat companion. Mary is the spokeswoman for her son's will. By your consecration, you will enjoy an even deeper intimacy with Mary. So after your consecration, what situation or concerns of yours will you ask Mary about first regarding Jesus's will for you? And question number four, in belonging to Mary, our participation in mediation will be wholly oriented toward Christ because Mary is holy Christ. What part of you or your relationships do you hope will become more holy Christ by belonging to Mary? Let's ponder these questions as we listen to the song from Mary and Grace, Ave Maria Stellis, which is the next song or the next prayer on St. Louis de Montfort's consecration preparation. Gabriel came, peace confirmed within 
understand that.